The Digested Read by John Crace Hotel du Lac by Anita Bruckner There was a greyness of emblematic significance to the prose as Edith Hope, writer of romantic fiction under a more thrusting name, began her afternoon walk of excruciating dullness around the lake. Am I not to be allowed my lapse? she thought. And why should I be? I am a serious woman. Many people have commented on my resemblance to Anita Bruckner. And though I have bored others, I was not to be allowed to bore myself. Exhausted, both by the exertion of her passivity and by the habitual use of extended parentheses, she returned to the hotel and began writing a letter. My dearest David, after I did that dreadful thing which I won't mention now because I want to maintain some kind of interest, Penelope told me I had to leave the country for a month to let things calm down. So I have come to the Hotel du Lac in Switzerland, a location every bit as dull as me. Edith dressed for dinner in her dowdiest Liberty print dress. It was nearly the end of the season and the restaurant was empty, apart from a sad-looking woman with an eating disorder and a dog that made a puddle on the floor and an equally sad-looking pair who appeared to be mother and daughter. Please join us, said the older woman, introducing herself as Iris Pusey. You seem to be as sad and dull as us. Meet my daughter Jennifer. As was her custom, Edith was content to remain silent while Mrs Pusey droned on about how rich she was, how good her husband had been to her before his early death, and how she loved shopping. She was thinking only of how old Mrs Pusey might be. She must be in her fifties, she decided which would make Jennifer in her late twenties. Fatigued once more by the strain of having devoted so many pages to so little, Edith retired to her room, both to dwell on the unhappiness of her relationship with her mother and to commence another letter. My dearest David, You never knew how I longed for your visits, but then how could you when I was replete with the repression of the lonely spinster? I would only present my cheerful self to you, as it seemed unfair to burden you with my sadness, when you could only escape the treadmill of the auction house and your wife once a month. Oh, David, David... You quite remind me of someone, Mrs Pusey said two days later after another action-packed chapter. Virginia Woolf? Edith offered hopefully. Anita Bruckner. Now I do declare that Mr Neville over there who's just arrived has taken quite a shine to you. He's trade, of course, but beggars can't be choosers. Edith considered replying, but thought better of it, concentrating instead on the lines in Mrs Pusey's face that showed up in the pale autumn twilight. Perhaps Mrs Pusey was in her sixties, 
and the pallid Jennifer in her thirties after all. The excitement of such a thought brought an onset of the vapours, and Edith excused herself to write yet another letter that would allow her to fill in still more of the backstory. My dearest David, none of my friends ever suspected our affair, and Penelope became insistent on me dating an acquaintance of hers called Geoffrey. He was a man, unhealthily close to his mother, given to even greater flights of dullness than myself, and yet it seemed impolite to turn down his offer of marriage. Yet when the day came, I could not go through with it, and all my friends were jolly cross. And that's my big sin. I warned you, it wasn't very interesting. You quite remind me of someone, Mr Neville said escorting Edith on her 15-minute perambulation by the lake. Virginia Woolf? Edith asked hopefully, for she was nothing, if not consistent. Lee Dull. Anita Bruckner, he smiled stiffly. Now look here, old gal. I'm as absurd and unconvincing as every other man in this book, so what say we get married even though we don't know each other? I was miffed when my wife left me, but you seem so boring and so detached. My centrality will not be affected. Edith was not alone in her bewilderment at the use of the word centrality, but it would have been de classe not to reply to such an invitation, so she contented herself with a question of her own. Will we be able to arrange the antimacassars together? The hotel was pulsing with activity on their return, as Mrs Pusey awoke from her afternoon rest to declare it was her birthday. "'I'm 179 today,' she croaked, as a cobwebbed retainer brought in a slice of Victoria sponge cake. "'Then Jennifer must be 139,' Edith thought. "'The same age as me.' Now she understood why everyone appeared to observe the shocked petty bourgeois morality of the Victorians when it was actually the 1980s. Her eyelids heavy with a tiredness brought on by the pace of the action, she lay down on the chaise long to write a letter she would actually send. Dear David, I'm going to marry Mr Neville. I don't love him, but it would be impertinent to refuse. Edith awoke refreshed, and, donning her peignoir, let herself out into the corridor where she espied Mr Neville quietly letting himself out of Jennifer's bedroom. A burst of unrepressed feminism coursed through her frozen veins. She would not marry Mr Neville after all. Why settle for being a doormat for someone she didn't love when she could be one for a man she did? She plucked up her quill. Dearest David, I am returning. <laughs>